have a copy? <clears throat> Who's short? A copy? Okay, uh, we have we have some extras. Where where are the extras? Right here. Okay, pass that, pass that back to Elisa. Now, uh, these helps to live in the church life are uh, put down here. I think yeah, twenty six of them. Uh, so we'll do them as you can imagine. We're going to have to go through them quite rapidly. And so what I want to try to do is to put into you a kind of a seed of what these mean. Uh, I can't just stop and take the time and develop all this. This is just uh, the kind of thing like you could take an hour or one point if you want to. So we just want to put the seed in, uh, hoping that it will uh, uh, get inside there and maybe uh, initiate some further fellowship. Maybe uh, you feel like you're not so clear about a point. uh, that might cause some more fellowship, whatever. But I, uh, all of these, to me, are quite important. As I mentioned before, uh, in the early days when we started practicing the church life, we didn't have tapes, we didn't have videos, we didn't have literature, we didn't have hardly anything. Uh, we had a few, maybe three or four books uh, by Brother Nee that other uh, publishing houses had published, and we read those. And uh, Every summer we made a trip out to L.A. and took a notebook full of you know, notes, two or three notebooks, really. And we would kind of go over that for a, a, a year. <laughs> and then we did that for several years. And gradually, uh, as we were really desirous to uh, learn what it, the body life is, uh, we had certain experiences. Uh, I think it's fair to say we bumped our nose quite a bit. Uh, but this, this caused us to have a kind of a desire to find out. And uh, whenever uh, Brother Lee would visit us in those days when he still traveled a lot, of course, we would bombard him with uh, every conceivable question. We would keep him up till 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Actually, he'd keep us up. He just would never stop talking. Uh, and many times uh, we would have a lot of fellowship. We, we, we ran up huge phone bills talking with other brothers in the recovery to just... Uh, have fellowship, many times uh, it was along something quite practical. Uh, we had a lot of experiences like that. So uh, this is certainly not, you know, that much, but I think it would be a good, because all of y'all right now are about the same age that I recall that when I came into the church life and how much the change was from the, the, the uh, kind of practice I had uh, as a brother in Christ uh, going on in the denomination. And what a change it was to get into uh, a situation that was the church uh, organically. And, and though it was small, nevertheless, it was a practice of, of being a member of the body. And uh, this was a tremendous change. In fact, in, in, at some at some of the things, uh, I, I had to I had to really I don't know how to say it. I had to really ask myself if you know is is it really that much? I mean, is it that drastic of a change? You know. And uh, of course, gradually as time went on, we realized this is a really the calling here is not only to experience Christ, but to pioneer the way to have the church life. See, that's what we're all about. 
So uh, these are just some things that I think if you know this early, when you come to certain situations, uh, you will have uh, an ability to have the proper experience of Christ so that you can get right through that situation, difficulty, uh, or whatever it might be. And you don't have to have some kind of uh, catastrophe like happens so much. So many young people have a good beginning in Christ, start to have some experiences, and yet when they start having relationships with other Christians, uh, catastrophe sets in. Too much of that. So uh, the purpose of this is how can we live the church life? How can we go on in the church? Okay? Okay, here are the points. <laughs> Number one, uh, which is a very obvious beginning point, is focus on Christ. Okay? To have the church life to live in it, you have to focus on Christ. Paul says, For I did not determine to know anything, anything among you except Jesus Christ and this one crucified. Don't you see the total determination to focus on just Christ and an absolute uh, refusal to take anything else other than the person and work of Christ here. To know Christ, that's His person. And Him crucified, that's His work. You see? So, we have to focus on uh, this. uh, The person and work of Christ. Now, I would say this way, uh, today, in today's situation, and when I say Christianity, don't, don't get offended. The whole world knows that Christianity is basically a failure. Okay, Everybody knows that. The unbelievers know it. The believers know it. Everybody knows it. We're not saying we're, we're uh, successful. We're just trying to point out that there is something higher on this earth, thank the Lord, than today's existing Christianity. And we need to see that vision and we need to pursue it, okay? So uh, I'm, not, I'm not being negative. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to just clarify where things stand, okay? Now, uh, today, uh, in today's Christianity, really there is this... Uh, the, there is this, uh, you know, desire among people to just... Uh, study the Bible and there is the teaching about Jesus Christ and so forth. There is that teaching. And and in the fundamental denominations, there is the teaching about you need Christ for salvation. There definitely is that. Okay, I know this for sure. I think some of y'all know this also. However, they just couldn't stop with Christ. It's always Christ plus this or Christ plus that or Christ plus this. You have to be baptized our way. You have to do this. You have to speak in tongues. You're, you, you never get you, uh, something Christ plus healing, uh, Christ plus this or that. You, you just talk to Christians and you talk and you realize uh, to stay on the, to stay on the uh, focus of Christ is nearly impossible. They just have to add to it. They just have to say, 
what do you believe about this? And they get into prophecy, and they get into tribulation, and they get into rapture, and they get strong about this, and pretty soon it's a kind of a tension in the air because you just don't focus on Christ, you see. To live the church life, we have to learn. Focus on Christ. Amen. Don't say Christ plus anything. Just Christ. Just focus on Christ, okay? Then everything will be just quite pleasant, quite harmonious, There'll be a real flow. There'll be a real head headship in the church life, and there won't be there won't be distractions. There won't be uh, uh, debates that have plagued church history for two thousand years. You just could never exhaust the debates that have gone on about Scripture. I'm not talking about just nonsense. I'm talking about Scripture. They have just debated it into oblivion. And it was not just Christ. You follow me? We have to focus just Christ. Okay, then that leads right into number two, and that is enjoy the one Spirit. Okay? Uh, For also in one Spirit we were all... See, in one Spirit, that's the key phrase. We were all baptized into... How many? One body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we're all given to drink one spirit. One spirit, one body, one spirit. Can't you see how, how uh, one all of this is? Yeah. What is? When we say focus on Christ is good, but we have to get more practical than that. The practicality of focusing on Christ is enjoy the one spirit. Amen. There's only one Christ, and there's only one spirit. And we want to enjoy, drink, uh, if we if we look at look at this verse, it says, "Drink one spirit." That is to enjoy the one spirit. We all have one spirit. Is your spirit, that is the divine spirit in you, is it different than the divine spirit in me, or do we have the same spirit? We all partake of the same spirit. That spirit is Christ. Okay, and we all have the same Christ. Don't we have the same Christ? Yes. We then we get to drink of this one spirit. You see, this is a practicality of focusing on Christ. Now, you're you're believers. I'm a believer. Have you received the one Spirit? Have you have you taken a drink of Him? Have you have you had a drink of Christ? When you were regenerated, you got Christ into you. How? You took a drink of the Spirit. Why did you take a drink of the Spirit? Because you responded to Christ. You see, Christ was preached, and you drank. You see, you believed in Christ and you drank the Spirit. It's that simple. You see, you believed in Him, you might say objectively, but you drank of Him as a Spirit subjectively. You see? Well, uh, this, is our, this is a practical uh, way we experience focusing on Christ by drinking the one Spirit. Now, if you've done that, think about it. Uh, let's just say you're a normal person. Okay, and you you get saved. Let's say the let's say the time of your salvation was this morning. Let's say you got saved at 10 a.m. All of you got saved at 10 a.m. 10 okay. All of you 10 a.m. right here. You brothers on the front row. 10 a.m. Tim, by now, what do you know? What do you know about God? You see, you know about Christ. You know. That He loves you. You know that He died for you. You know that uh, you believe in Him. And you know that you you took a drink of this Spirit. Because you just feel, oh, so good. I just, I, I'm, this is a real different day for me. I've really touched God. 
You know that, right? You know that. And Neil knows that. All the brothers know that, you see. What do you know about rapture? What do you know about tribulation? What do you know about the prophecies of Daniel? What do you know about the signs of revelation? What do you know about the uh, different kinds of baptisms? What do you know about uh, the, the supernatural gifts? What do you know about speaking in tongues? What do you know about the... the, the uh, uh, what do you know about the doctrines of... Uh, uh, <laughs> you name it. See, do you know anything? What do you know, God? Do you know anything? Do you know anything? You know, it's just 10 a.m. You just got here. You're a baby. You just got born in the hospital. Okay? We, we, we shouldn't ask you uh, what year is it. You just got born. You see, no tough questions. You don't have knowledge of anything. You see? Except that you're a newborn babe. At that time, you know what you know? You know that you can drink the one spirit. Can you imagine what it's like if all of us in our relationships with one another would just return to the simplicity of just having gotten saved. Oh, boy. <laughs> our problem, our problem and, and not many people realize this, the, the reason the oneness is not present among God's people today is, because, is uh, not because uh, we don't uh, think that uh, you know, not because we don't know enough. The problem is we know too much. The problem is we have we've picked up things. Now I know things. I know things about the Catholic Church. You see, I don't believe in in the sacraments. I don't think they have one thing at all to do with salvation. Okay, I don't believe that. I know so much. And so if you come up to me and you're a born-again Catholic, which there are plenty of born-again Catholics, and so forth, well, we just might start off talking about sacraments and whether they do or whether they don't. And we might argue for an hour and walk away from one another and have nothing. Right? Because what? But the day you got saved as a Catholic and the day I got saved as a reformed uh, whatever I am, at that moment, if we would have just come together, we, you would have been miles away from what? From your background, and I would have been miles away from mine, we would have just spontaneously, what, drank the same Spirit. Amen. Then oneness would be there. You see, we have to, we have to come back. We, have to, we, we picked up a lot of things, a lot of things. Okay, don't say they're bad. But listen, when it comes to the body life, you have to just be willing to let these things become altogether irrelevant. What word am I trying to use? Irrelevant. That's what I'm trying to use. Irrelevant, yes. These things have to become uh, kind of like uh, they're just so secondary that they don't really, uh, they don't really uh, even rank with what our focus is. You see, we're just take care of the Spirit, just take care of Christ, and forget all the things you picked up. Forget all the Bible knowledge you have. Yeah, we know things. We can go through the book of Revelation. We can wow you with the prophecies. We can, we can tell you about the image in Daniel. We can show you all the things, uh, you know, about Genesis 1 and 2 that are just, you know, mind-boggling. Sure. But not everybody agrees with that. So we just have to come back and enjoy Christ, enjoy the Spirit, and, uh, and uh, drop a lot of things we picked up. Right. 
You say, well, I pray on my knees. And someone else says, well, I pray, uh, I pray walking uh, uh, in the park. And you can sit there and talk about the best way to pray for an hour and a half and get nowhere close to the oneness of the Spirit. See, so the church life is not in these ways. Just drop everything. Be a newborn babe. Come back and drink the Spirit and oneness is with us automatically. Okay? Then the next one is realize you are a member of the body. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, even as He will. Amen. This is a big point with us because uh, among us, you could say one of our big characteristics in the church life is we emphasize in a definite way, unequivocally, that every brother and sister that has a life of God is a first team member of the body of Christ. Amen. There is no uh, classes. There's no second team. There's no uh, uh, categories of uh, you know uh, great, good, not so good, weak, poor. And so there, that doesn't exist. You are a organic member of the body of Christ. Amen. And you are as strategic to the body of Christ organically as any of the other members of the body. If we don't have this among us, then we're really not fulfilling God's purpose. You see? If we would say, oh, we're just a churchgoer, we just meet with some Christians sometime, and then we really have our life mainly in another way, and uh, this the, the churching is just something we kind of tack on, it's part of the American culture. It is. You do certain things uh, on certain days of the week. You, uh, you you go to work at a certain time. You eat supper at a certain time. Uh, you do certain other things. The way I grew up uh, and all my friends grew up, it's just the American culture. What do you do on Sunday morning? You go to where? You go to church. The, the thought of it, you just go to church. Where are you going? I'm going to church. Yep. Right? And you go to church... Uh, you have a set pattern of worship. You have a set type of sermon. You have singing in a kind of a practiced way. Everything is done in order. You can follow it usually on some kind of program. You have certain kind of prayers interspersed. You collect certain amount of money. Uh, you, you preach the gospel some. Uh, the sermon is usually about 20 minutes, uh, if you've ever seen them spaced out. They're about 20 minutes of time relegated to preaching the Word. Uh, the Presbyterians do it on the side. The Baptists uh, do it in the center. You'd say, oh, that's just a little different style. No, there was a great issue in church history about from what angle you preach the Word from. And the Bible and the Baptists said it has to be from the center. They would never allow the, the word to be placed on the side. You see, psychologically, this means it's not that important. So they every you, no every Baptist church you go in, you, the the pulpit is right in the middle. But if you go into others, if you notice they're on the side, not all of them. But you see, things like this have been going on for centuries. Okay, centuries. Yeah. Okay, you see, uh, anyway, our point is we're a member. You see, do you believe you're a member of the body of Christ? Well, what we've got to do in the church life is recover the truth 
and recover the sensation in our being that we really are a member of the body of Christ. If we can't do this to ourselves, and if we can't help others have this kind of realization that we are a member of the body of Christ, then we're short. God today is desperately fighting to recover the function and the uh, uh, realization among all His people that they are a necessary member of the body of Christ. So we have to prevail. We have to fight here. You see, this is a big thing. Then, the next point is that you have to realize that you are only a member of the body of Christ. You see, now we have to turn the cake over and, uh, and burn it, not burn it, but cook it on the other side. Leviticus is like this. Cakes that you turn one side, you turn over all the time. If you want a good balance, you have to keep turning. You know, when you cook things, you, you turn them back and forth because uh, nothing just cooks. How can you know it would cook perfectly halfway through and then flip it and cook perfectly? You don't have that confidence. If there's any thickness to it at all, you keep turning to ensure that it's the same. You see, this means uh, you, you, balance, you balance the heat out. You see, well, the Christian life is like this. You have to balance it so truth is something you turn. You see, you turn it, you are a member of Christ, but you have to realize you are only a member of Christ. What does this mean? This means that uh, there's a problem. There is a big problem today, and that is no one sees the body as being many members. They don't see it in one of two ways. They don't see that they are either uh, legitimately a member of the body of Christ or they don't see that, uh, that, that that's all that they are. And therefore, we have still lingering among God's people a kind of a concept of being special. Uh, there's a kind of a spiritual giant concept. Okay, we don't want any spiritual giants like that. We just want members of the body of Christ. Okay? Uh, even you have quite a gift. Let's say you're an apostle and you, you have a kind of a uh, uh, universal uh, function. You just, uh, you're not tied to any particular uh, local church and you just uh, have a kind of a function to minister to all the churches or something along that line. Let's say you're an apostle. Still, you know, there's apostles that uh, consider themselves almost in a category of their own. And then there are apostles who just blend into the body. It depends. It's all together on what you see as a member of the body of Christ. You see, you can be a prophet. And there's prophets that uh, in in their feeling, they really stand out as a special person. And there are prophets that, that feel like that in the body of Christ, that's all, I, that's all I am as a member. And if I prophesy and it builds up the body, fine. And uh, if the Lord says, uh, I don't need you to do that, then that's fine also. I'm not fighting for it. I'm not, I don't have a, quote, ministry that I'm going to uh, uh, have, whether the Lord agrees with it or not. I mean, it's, we, we just cannot be in that realm. Okay? We're only a member of the body. That's all. Just a member. If you look at this verse here, uh, Romans 12.3, Paul says, uh, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, listen to this, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to be, what? Sober-minded, as God has apportioned to each a measure of faith. You see, here is the thing. Right here... Our problem is this. We 
would be tempted to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Do we have a problem like this? <laughs> okay, you know what? Here's our problem. Our problem is what? We either have a left-hand problem or a right-hand problem. <laughs> but we, we, we have so much trouble just being a member, don't we? You see, we either say, oh, I'm not a member. I just don't have, I'm just a, or, or we wouldn't say I'm not a member. We would say I'm a kind of a second-rate member. I'm just not so uh, valuable to the body of Christ. We would think this way, you see. And then just about the time that uh, we do something that seems to be a blessing to somebody or, some, or, 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 or the saints, we would say, wow, you know, I really, I really have something. You see, and right away you just thought you're just thinking of yourself beyond, uh, more highly than you ought to think. That's right. You see, why not just be a member? Period. Plus nothing. Not too low and not too high. Just be something according to what? Right here it says to God has a portion to each a measure of faith. Be that. If you want to know what your calling is, it's to be a member according to the way God has measured you a portion of faith. This faith is your organic ability to function and be one with Him. Okay? Well, I would say mostly our problem as young people, mostly it's on we don't think we're up to standard to be a member. But sometimes we as a small percent, and we've had this in our history where, where some really had the thought they were a lot more than they are. And time proved to uh, everyone, including them, <laughs> that they weren't anything but just a member. Okay? Regardless of what they thought early on, it proved out experientially that they were just a member. And if they accepted that and took that, they became a big blessing to the body of Christ. But if you think you're special, you're in trouble. Okay? And that leads right into number five, which is since your need of others, if you realize that you are only a member of the body, then you have a sensation within you, I need other people. That's why this verse here says, And the eye, which is a member, cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. You see, to say I have no need of a saint, of a member, of other members, is to be outside the realm of the body of Christ. The eye cannot say this. The head cannot say this. Cannot say I have no need of you. Can you say this? If you say this about the body of Christ, you, 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 really, you really blow it, okay? You can't say this. You have to realize uh, that there is a, there's a kind of a, something placed in us by the Lord that causes us to realize, I need the body. Let me check your experience. In the matter of having the strength to pray, how are you alone? Versus how you are with others. Think about it. Is there a difference? You know, I've been in the church life now 
getting closer to three decades. That's a long time. Okay, for me, it's a long time. Okay, I I, I think I, I I know the difference between me and me with the saints. I know the difference. There is a great difference. When I was young, I was I was very idealistic. Uh, tell you the truth, I think by reading uh, so many biographies of the of the true giants of church history, I I really. Uh, came under the concept uh, quite quickly that if you that you if you wanted to you could be like that and had no realization that God really had allowed a kind of a special dispensation of grace for certain people down through the centuries why because they really did not have the ability to be in the body of Christ practically they were in there they were in the body of Christ spiritually but in practice they didn't have the ability Therefore, they had people like Hudson Taylor and George Mueller and uh, R.A. Torrey and all, all kinds of giants that were raised up. Spurgeon in England, C.T. Studd, all these great people, men of prayer, men of faith, uh, evangelists that were highly successful, Whitfield and Wesley in England, people like this, uh, Moody in America. It was tremendous. Uh, they were true evangelists. They were they were gifts to the body like this, but they did not have the church life experience. They did not. And you read this and you say, "That's the way I'm going to be." Only, only you just can't will something into being like this. That's right. You see, God sets the members, each one of them in the body, as it pleases Him. You see, so we have to sense our need of others. We we just we just need to live in the realm of a together body life. Uh, then you know you have a good ability to pray. How about the light from the Word? Do you get more light from your personal reading, or from the time you meet with the saints and you are in the Word together? Where's the light come from? Do you, do you understand me? Think about it. And how about your strength to overcome the temptations of this age? Do you realize the difference between being alone and being in the fellowship of the body? Is there a difference or not? Think about it. So we can conclude this way. You know what Satan's uh, big attack on us is? It's simple. It's not. It, it, he doesn't have to get us to sin. He doesn't have to get us to do something really, really negative. He, all He has to do is I, get us to be isolated. The attack of isolation. Get us detached. Get us away. Get us busy. Get us somewhere. Get us into some other city. Get us to some other locality. Get us to some... Uh, put us back in the bush somewhere. All alone. You see, then he knows only then then he knows it's only a matter of time, and he will just wear you down. You'll just be worn down. He doesn't need a special event to happen in your life. You will just get worn out. You need the body. Don't you need the body? Sure. But live in the realm of the body life. I'll tell you, even you're so down. Guess what? The church is up. 
That's right. It doesn't matter what you are. The church is always up. Okay. The the saints are up. You say, well, I'm down. Well, it's it. You're a member. See, after Romans twelve three comes twelve four that we are members one of another. I can't be down if my if 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 the member I'm a member of is up. That's right. We're we're related. We have an organic union. So I'm with him, and he's with me, and we're together, and so forth. So I just, uh, I just uh, am one with the saints. You see, this absolutely levels out our experience of Christ and keeps us from the pitfalls of what happens when we are mere individuals, right? Hey, Jose, what if what if you had just stayed in Mexico City? And just slug it out to be a Christian there. Just I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a overcoming saint. I'm just going to really try to please the Lord, so forth. Right now, you would already be history. I'm pretty sure. Okay, you'd already be history. Maybe not, but I think statistically, you you, you have a good shot at being already, you know, all over for you. I wonder about myself. I think I, 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 I'm sorry to admit this. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry to admit it. It's just the way it is. I had a lot, a lot of Christian friends in college. Nearly all of my friends were Christians. Because I, I chose them to be. And, and they chose me. We had, you know, when you're, when you're really a Christian in, in college, you, you end up really with Christian friends mostly, except the ones you kind of have to be around to do certain things. Uh, that are your responsibility. So I had mostly Christian friends. Some of them, I look back and they were truly, they, their beginning in the Spirit was so excellent. It was so good. I would even say they were burning. At a period, for a period of time, they were burning. And I saw some of these, uh, even before graduation, and we and we all left. Uh, some of these already had uh, dissipated to a good degree. One guy that I can remember praying with him, and even praying with him with with tears. That's how close we were, and how touched we were. And about two years, only two years later. The guy was, I, I mean, I, I couldn't believe a person could change negatively that much. And then later, because he became a lawyer in the city of Dallas, I met some people who knew him, and they said, this man is messed up. He's the same young guy that we, I mean, in his dorm room. We got on our knees and prayed one night. And... Both of us had tears. We were so touched. Can you believe that? What's the difference? The body is the difference. He got picked off. He got picked off. The lying one came and lied him right out of his faith in Christ. He just he just deceived the guy. Okay. Okay. Uh, Anyway, I think you get the the idea. We need to be a member of the body. Now, 
here are some points on oneness. Number six is we need to keep the oneness. Amen. Being Amen. diligent to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the uniting bond of peace. Uh, I like this oneness of the Spirit because we, we uh, are commanded by the Lord to keep it. Keep it implies you have it. So the first thing you have to realize is in the matter of the oneness, you already have it, so keep it. What do we already have? The oneness of the Spirit. What have we not arrived to yet? That's the oneness of the faith. We're not there yet. See, there's two onenesses in chapter 4 of Ephesians. The oneness of the Spirit and the oneness of the faith. We haven't all arrived at the oneness of the faith because there's a lot of items of the faith and we're not quite... Uh, agree on everything, that's okay. Until that day. Maybe that will be in the next stage. But anyway, the Lord's requirement now is to keep the oneness of our common portion, which is the Spirit. Amen. You have it, so you have to keep it. Hold that oneness in the uniting bond of peace. Okay? Uh, I would say, like I mentioned uh, just a few moments ago, to have it means you need to be reduced to that only. Just don't introduce other elements into your relationship with others. Just keep the oneness of the Spirit. It's okay to fellowship, and sometimes, uh, don't misunderstand me, that you don't have some good fellowship about other things, but if it becomes a little point of contention, just even slightly, you just should have a registration of that in your spirit. That means back off. You are getting away from the Spirit. And you are losing oneness fast. Oneness is, is shrinking. It's really going away. Because why? You have the Spirit and I have the Spirit, but we're, we're getting into something that we don't quite agree about. One day, probably, we'll even agree on that. But that day is not here yet. So in this age of disagreement, we have to learn that we have one thing that we can never, never disagree on. And that is we have the same Spirit. Amen. So keep it. You have it. Don't add to it. Be reduced to it. And number three, I would say, be full of this Spirit. You see, this is not just a doctrinal thing, but oneness really comes is when we are filled in Spirit. Be full of it. Uh, to the extent that, you know, I'm just, I just don't have that much heart for other things. I just, I, I just don't care. Okay. Uh, you, you, you like that? You like to be baptized... Uh, you like to be baptized uh, uh, forwards instead of backwards? It's up to you. Okay. You like to do it in a bathtub or you like to do it in the, in the meeting hall? What do, what do you like? Does it really matter? If you have a strong feeling about this, uh, you're short of being full of the Spirit and being reduced to the Spirit. You see, if you're full of the Spirit, who cares? Baptism means you go under the water. Okay, I don't care if it's McKinney Falls, or the Jordan River, or the Atlantic Ocean, or your bathtub, or what? Water is water. Okay? It's just so sad that today in Christianity there's so much formality, so much legalism, so much emphasis on all these kinds of things. Okay? If anybody, what do you like? You, you, you like to eat meat, or you like to, you're a vegetarian, and you like to. Uh, do uh, have a uh, some kind of a, another kind of a diet, and you're, who knows, and who cares? When we're full, when we're full of the spirit, we really don't care. You're a vegetarian. Praise the Lord! Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? We just can almost chuckle at her. It's just so in and amusing. 
that we are members, even members one of another, but we are so different in our concept of food. Isn't it amazing? Paul, Paul said the kingdom of God is not what? Eating and drinking. It's not that. He said, food is for the belly and the belly is for food. God shall destroy both them and it. <laughs> okay, so we don't, we, don't, uh, we don't want to get caught there. Just be full. When you're full of the Spirit, you don't care. You don't care about what? All kind of minor things. Just minor. It's minor. Okay? I don't care. You want to shave your hair? You, you, if you ask me, Don, would you, or would you will you shave your head? I would say no. I don't. I, I don't like to do this. This is me. But if you want to shave your head, I'm not going to say no. I just tell you one thing, and that is, you have to live according to Christ, and you have to give an account to Him. I have to do the same. Can't we just allow this to take place? Okay, it's good enough, right? You say, oh, if we don't, you know, everybody's so afraid that if they don't really lay down the law, that people are going to go wild. That will happen if you don't get filled with the Spirit. So if you don't get filled with the Spirit, you need some laws. But if you get full of the Spirit, the laws are not necessary. Uh, Then, number seven, still on one, it says, be of one soul. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, that whether coming and seeing you or being absent, I may hear of the things concerning you. Now listen to this thing. That you stand firm, how? In one spirit. In one spirit. That's your standing. That's your basis. The next phrase says what? One soul. In one spirit, but with one soul striving together along with the faith of the gospel. Do you see this? Here is a oneness that you could say, uh, if I could just kind of show you here on the board. This oneness is a little bit... These verses in Philippians are just a little bit... uh, a little uh, not so common as other verses, okay? Okay, in our spirit, Christ is right here, okay? Christo is right there in our spirit. And we stand firm in one spirit. This is the basis of oneness. We keep the oneness of the spirit here, you see. But there is a higher, more mature oneness that if you're going to be someone who practices the church life, you have to have oneness that is with your soul. So the Christ in our spirit must get into our soul, you see, so that we have, in essence, the same thing in our soul that is in our spirit, with one soul. This is more mature, you see. Uh, Today, again, sorry, but today in uh, the situation, people say, well, we're one in spirit. Amen to that. If anybody ever tells you that, I hope you say amen to that. But if they mean, if they mean uh, that the Spirit is the oneness and we're one in Spirit, 
meaning we're different in our soul, then you have to say, that's right, but oh Lord, if we just could be one soul. You see, that doesn't mean we'd be the same. No, that doesn't mean that all of us have the same kind of a soul. It means that the Spirit has gained the ground in us so that our soul is like our spirit. If we could be like this, all the problems would be solved. That's why we need to be full of the Spirit, because then it saturates our soul. Everything is solved when that happens. Our problems are over when the Spirit saturates us. You see? Conversely, all of the problems, all of the difficulties, and even all of the divisions that have occurred in the church uh, living throughout history have been problems of the soul. Opinions about doctrines, opinions about church practice, opinions about uh, church leaders, opinions about this, opinions about that. Even back when I was in the Baptist church, you know, one of the uh, men who really was uh, pretty fresh in his salvation, uh, he refused to uh, go and be a part of selecting the deacons that were going to function in the Baptist church, which I could tell you a lot of stories about that, but it's not necessary. And you know why? Because he said, they intend to have more than seven deacons. And in Acts, the Holy Spirit only selected seven. Spirit really meant that regardless of the size, location, or condition of the church, you need seven deacons? What if you only have 12 members? Seven of them need to be deacons? Oh, this was too, too much. See, there's no oneness in the soul. What happened? The, the standing in the Spirit did not translate into the oneness in the soul. You see, there was no oneness there. I'll give you a little story because uh, there was a time when a bunch of young people were up in the Boston area. Neil, you remember when they moved all kind of consolidated in the Boston area? What year was that? 77. So it's a long time ago in its ancient history. Anyway, these young people were so stirred up. And uh, this was a little little glitch in our history that uh, we learned some lessons from. But uh, I I went up there two or three times uh, at that time and... uh, uh, to tell you quite truthfully, I had a hard time being being uh, impressed. I really did. Uh, maybe it's my nature that I'm not easily impressed, or or maybe uh, it was the Lord inside me. I, I really I'm not sure, but I do know I was not much impressed. But boy, they were impressed with the impression of themselves. They were really impressed with what they... (laughs) They really were impressed with their own impression. (laughs) And they were so young and uh, very idealistic and they were just burning in spirit. And you know what they were pushing? You know know what was... uh, They were really pushing was oneness, oneness. We're one. Do anything for oneness, 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 oneness. I heard oneness till I thought that was the only word in the Bible was oneness. But I couldn't get impressed. Uh, thank you. I, I, thank you. I couldn't get impressed. And uh, anyway, uh, Brother Lee came there, and uh, he, he still had the strength and energy to travel quite a lot then and gave uh, some messages. And I'll never forget, because he used, he used this verse in Philippians of one soul, and, he, and he, the room was full of 
young people. I mean, the church was just nearly all young people in Boston. There was quite a few of them. And uh, they were just burning and so forth. And then he says, are you one? He said, are you one? Do you have one spirit? And he said, yes. And then he said, uh, are you one in soul? And they said, yes. And Brother Lee says, I doubt that. Ooh. That was to me like, you know, like somebody had hit me over the head with a block of ice. You know, he said, I doubt that. And he started talking about being of one soul. And this was a real revelation, you see. And actually, there, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this because even these people, these brothers and sisters later, really got the help and the light and they gave a lot of testimonies like this. Okay, so uh, I guess you could say I'm saying what they said. But they, their oneness at that time was not just the Spirit and the faith. Uh, they had a kind of thing going and they were so one with what they were doing there in Boston that time they were so one it's not like that now believe me <laughs> that was a that was a long time ago and anyway they were so they were so one with what was going on there that i would say if you took and this is just generally speaking if you took one of these people that had that kind of oneness and you stuck them in any other church they would have they would have not fit. They had a kind of a they had a kind of a oneness with themselves. Did you follow me? Yeah. It wasn't a one soul as in the spirit's operation. They just were one with the way they were doing things there. This was off. And Brother Lee says, I doubt you're one. He's he, he was so clear. And I was doubting a little doubt. You know, I was saying, well, maybe I'm just too close. Maybe I'm too narrow. Maybe I'm jealous. I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, it was not the real thing. So he started ministering about Christ getting into your mind, emotion, and will. And it's not just you think alike or you do this alike, but you really get the element of God into your soul. There's a real oneness there. Well, uh, right after that, it says, Think the same thing, even the one thing, which is also in the book of Philippians. Paul says, Make my joy full that you think the same thing, having the same love, joined in soul, thinking the one thing. You see, to be of one soul, uh, you you need to think the same thing. For example, here is your mind... And for Christ to get from your spirit to your mind, you have to think the same thing. You see? Your mentality has to be the same. What is the same thing? The same thing is not baptism by sprinkling or immersion. It's not rapture. It's not uh, the uh, different concepts of tribulation. It's not the different interpretations of uh, the woman in Revelation 12. It's not uh, anything about uh, who Antichrist is. None of this is is uh, the same thing, okay? And none of this is the one thing. See, there's in this verse, there's the same thing and the one thing. 
You can't think the same thing unless you think the one thing. And the one thing is Christ as the economy of God. Christ in all of what He is in His economy to be dispensed into us. This is the one thing. Christ Himself. Dispensed into us to be our experience day by day. That's the one thing. And that one thing is the same thing. And as that saturates your soul, you have a spontaneous oneness. You see? All that time I was up there getting into listening to a lot of fellowship, I was amazed at how much the fellowship was not about the one thing. It was about other things, but not the one thing. Then uh, right along with that that goes together is number nine, and that's deny the self. Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone wants to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. You see, all of this, whether or not we can have the oneness, whether or not we can keep the oneness, whether or not we can have uh, one soul, whether we can strive together with one soul, whether or not we can think the one thing, all of this has a basis or a foundation to it, and that is that we deny the soul, which is the self. The soul is the self and must be denied. So the Lord said here, let him deny himself. In Matthew and in Luke, it talks about denying the soul life. Okay? So deny yourself, and that means to take up the cross. To bear the cross is to deny the self. Okay? That's the foundation of oneness. And that is the great characteristic of oneness, and that means it's the great characteristic of the church life. The church life simply does not have a shortcut to it. There is no quick uh, fix for the church life. The church life is based upon something that is solid, enduring, and lasting, and that is a group of people have seen the vision of oneness, have seen that the enjoyment of the triune God is the way that this can be accomplished and they are willing to deny their self in order to have it. If they don't deny their self, they don't get it. You see, sorry, it just won't come. The Spirit can fall all over you, but if you haven't denied the self, you are going to be divided. Do you follow what I'm saying? Church history is a testimony of something of man's inability or unwillingness to deny the self. Think about it. All the problems come right here. Why? Why did we have this problem? Think about your latest problem with the brother or sister in Christ that you had uh, most recently. What? Think of Think about it. You had some conflict, some struggle, something wasn't good, something wasn't pleasant, there was a disagreement. If you just think about it a minute, you could say a lot of things, but underneath it all, somebody didn't deny the self. You see, wouldn't it be easy if I could just say, oh, it's just so easy to be one. We just, you know, we just praise the Lord and so forth. Yes, that's right. But an ingredient in all of that that never changes, never will change, is the fact that the self 
always will be there in opposition to the enjoyment of the Spirit for the sake of oneness. And if it's not denied, there will be no oneness. Okay, Somebody has to die. That's right. Somebody's opinion has to go. And you can say, well, I hope it's the other brothers or sisters. You can say that. (laughs) But to tell you the truth, unless both of you are like that, it's really not going to be a full kind of oneness. There has to be a full kind of oneness. It it, it pervades everything. You you see, uh, even the slightest uh, disharmony. And you realize a shortage of denial. That's right. Why why are we so strong? I, I... I wonder why we're so strong. Sometimes I think about myself. My wife uh, could give a lot of testimonies that I I wouldn't give in. My daughter thinks that that's my mission in life is to not give in to her, you know. Well, uh... I, I, you know, think about it. Why? Why are we so strong? Uh, it's almost like the self is, you know, is is a, uh, you know, it's a a rod of steel that just would, will bend a little bit, but it will never break. It's just so, you know, hmm. well, why? So, why are we so strong? Donnie, do you know you're a new Christian? But yourself is strong. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Have you had enough? Have you had enough conflicts with other people to realize more than I can handle? More than you can handle. Hey, Doug, you're from College Station. You've been in the church life a long time. You've uh, been close to quite a few brothers, uh, many, many, many years. In several locations, several localities. Is it too much to say that that we brothers, saints, brothers and sisters, we are just incredibly strong? It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Seems like we could just deny ourselves and no big deal. It's a big deal. To lose yourself, I would I would say takes the almighty power of the all-inclusive triune God flowing in you. Are, are, are you just, you couldn't make it. It's a big, big factor. How, how do you live in the brother's house or sister's house? How do you, how do you live with a roommate? Michael, when's the last time you had a, a... I won't even say words. I'll just say a feeling of discord. Such as, why doesn't he do this? <laughs> or, why did he have to say that? Or, or this, morning. this morning? I wonder, I wonder if things will change or... Maybe maybe I need to say something. Maybe that's what I needs to occur. Maybe I need to remind this person. My wife asked me the other day, "You want? Is there anything you need from the grocery store?" I said, "Oh, about some of about everything." 
And I realized, oh Lord, what a what a statement. Just you know, nothing would make a wife feel worse than thinking they weren't doing a good job shopping. What a lie! I just didn't deny myself. Just so say something like that. So strong. <laughs> Can you believe? It? Tim, why are you so strong? <laughs> Hourly, he's not strong, but but he's no exception to humanity, you know. <laughs> Does anybody think that they pretty much? Got this thing about the self under control. You, you really got it. You're really no, no problem. No, you're strong. You're so strong. Well, listen. You know what? To have oneness, to have the reality of oneness, to live the church life. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Be on the alert to do one simple thing. Deny yourself and take the Spirit. Amen. Deny the self and take the Spirit. Amen. Then the church life will be realized. Otherwise, I don't care where you go. I don't care who you meet with. You may love them. You may think they're next to angels. You may think they're the most wonderful saints you've ever run into. But after a few months, you'll be in the same situation and you'll deny the self and take the Spirit or you will have problems. Okay, I think you get it about oneness. Then we come to two things that are very close together. Coordinate with others and be built up with others, 10 and 11. And uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. Do you see a little coordination going on here? Two brothers and another person called God. No, you have to put the third one in here. He's coordinating with these guys. Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God caused the growth. Don't think Paul planted, Apollos watered, and then uh, God came in and uh, initiated another phase that was not related to these first two. This is a little series of one, two, three. This means that they were in the coordination with God Himself you know, from the beginning and Paul planted. That was being a co-laborer together with God. Apollos came along and he did not say, well, I need to do a work for the Lord here. And uh, so the first thing I'll do is, uh, what should I do? I should preach the gospel. No, he came and he realized that a member of the body had done a certain amount of labor and he just uh, eased right into that, just uh, slipped right in organically and took right up where Paul left off because he started watering the plants. Paul planted and he watered, you see. And when he left... God came in and recognized the work of both of these brothers coordinating and He started and came in and coordinated with them. And He caused the growth. You see? This is a, this is a picture of coordination. Today, 
Christians don't have this uh, sense that they are really coordinating. You know, I, I've tried, I don't know, uh, I've tried to kind of consider to coordinate, to be built up with one another. This is something that is so hard to find on the face of the earth. It's just hard to find. Real coordination and building up. You see? Some people look like they have a lot of things going, but if you really get down and you analyze it, there is not any real organic coordination, and therefore there's no building up. Anytime there's this thought to live as an individual, well, I'll just do it my way. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll make, I'll do it. I'll cause it to happen, and I'll live it. And uh, I'll even if if I'm wrong, I'll pay the consequences. But anyway, I'm going to do it my way. This kind of individual mentality is against the body. You see, I'm sorry. And I know to be independent is, a, is considered a virtue in America, but it is not considered a virtue in the body of Christ. Rather, we should be dependent, first of all, upon the head, second of all, upon the other members. We should live a life of dependence. Many times God would answer us, not directly, but indirectly, through a member. And we cannot predict what member He will choose. He will choose whom He chooses. This is his prerogative. He has this option, uh, and he can uh, he can choose to speak and act through any member of the body. And if he does, you don't say, "Well, I don't like the way he's doing things." You worship him for that. You just worship his economy in the body. You see, this means we don't get to be individualistic people. We are individuals, but there's a difference between between that and to be individualistic. That's a kind of a no-no in the body. Sure, we're individuals. We all know that. We're not trying to be conformed to each other. We're not like that. But we should not live individualistically as if the other members are not part of us and we're not part of them. To coordinate... Uh, as, the mem- as members of the body of Christ is just to recognize that Christ the head has an organism. That's the body. It's just, it's just exactly like the picture on, on, in the physical. The body is coordinating to do things and all these members are, are united for one goal. You see? And this is the body of Christ. And this is the way it is spiritually. But... To, to accomplish something as, as the body of Christ, which is going to have to be done sooner or later if the bride is going to be prepared. This has taken the Lord a lot of trouble to get people to see it, believe it, be willing to give themselves to it, all kinds of things like that. Coordination is no fun unless you really, really uh, are in the Spirit. It's no fun. It's a lot easier to do things by yourself. It's a lot easier to just go ahead and work it out your way. But in the Spirit, the Lord won't let you go. You do it, but you're, you're not released. Even if it's successful, you don't get that, you're not that happy. The Lord doesn't let you go. Why? Because He wants, to, he wants a body. Amen. And coordination is a fundamental element of the body of Christ. Do you understand? Yeah. 
Do you realize with nearly anything that there is to do spiritually, anything that, that needs to transpire, that there are different ways to do it? Think about it. Everything. Even when we have this outing. Can you imagine the variety of ways and things and locations and times and events and means and techniques and so forth I mean, that we could have? It's endless. See? Uh, maybe you don't like the way we do it and maybe you think we do it the best way. Okay? But anyway, the fact is there are a lot of ways to do things. Okay? Then how are we going to do it? Well, if we're if we're proper, we do it through coordination. See, we all coordinate together. You say, well, how do you coordinate? I would say you just pick up one key uh, understanding about coordination. Coordination is based on fellowship. Fellowship. If you live in fellowship with the other members of the body. In a way of coordination, you fellowship, you pray, you touch the head, you fellowship with others, you fellowship until you arrive at a feeling of peace, a common peace, a general peace you arrive at about how is the best way to accomplish something. And when that feeling of peace arrives among the brothers and sisters that are coordinating, then you have organic coordination. But if that feeling of peace is not there, then you're short of prayer and you're short of fellowship. You see, you have to you have to do something to coordinate. My head is connected to my body by my neck, and there's a lot of blood flow, a lot of electrical impulses that are just traveling like crazy from my head to all parts of my body as fast as I can even. You know, think it's just traveling. The blood is circulating. All the things are moving. Nutrients supply, elimination of waste, electrical impulses, all kind of chemical balances, things that we can't even begin to imagine are transpiring. You see, uh, because there's what a coordination going on. Here's a little connecting element of coordination. This neck is called fellowship. It connects the head to the body. What fellowship? Fellowship. Until you get the peace That's right. that you have a common way. And that way may be the best way, and it may not be the best way. But as long as it's the way that comes out of fellowship, the body's built up. Amen. Whether it's the best, or second best, or even the worst. That's it. Okay. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, you can do a lot of things wrong and inefficiently etc etc but if it's a matter that you uh, had a lot of time to fellowship with the head and the members of the body to accomplish it then you got the, you got the goal and that is the body was built up you see so we need a kind of organic fellowship and it's not just it's not just so outward sometimes I tell you the truth in the body life, I, I, I do believe this happens many times. A lot of times, it's not that we go say, and I have to say, Kevin, could we have some fellowship? Sometimes before, I don't even need to say that. I just know I'm Kevin's roommate, and I just know Kevin would not feel happy about this. So I'm not even, just drop it right there. I already know how Kevin feels, so I just drop it. See? I, I had fellowship. It was all within me, but I had it with him. 
because I understand how he feels. So I already had it. Do you, you understand what I'm yeah. saying? Sometimes you, you have fellowship without him opening your mouth. Right. You just, you're just living in the body. See? Okay. I think... Uh, I don't know how to get this across. All I know is um, to coordinate, be built up with others, is something that uh, is so hard to find... And we have to we have to be the people who just quit the trend of freelance individual right. Christian living right. and go to going going to the church of your choice and all these kind of popular things that have uh, become part of our culture and start fighting to uh, practice the uh, the living in a in an organic way in the body of Christ. We have to. Somebody has to. And that's what we're here for. Okay. Be built up with others. Uh, well, if you do all the above and you coordinate with others, you'll find that you're built up with others. Uh, the only thing I'd like to mention here, I think that maybe is a little help, and that is, saints, there's no escaping the mingling and the association with other members of the body. Right. You cannot escape it. Or you can, but you can't do it and live in the, in the body. So you have to mingle, you have to associate with others, and the more the better. Don't, don't just be so narrow. Branch out a little bit and uh, get to know some of the members that have a good supply for you. Okay? Uh, that's why meetings are so important, as we'll see in a little bit. Uh, see next, in fact. <laughs> Uh, we have to we have to mingle and we have to we have to have associations and relationships with one another in spirit. You see, and this this gives the Lord a chance to build us up together. Don't dodge it. Okay, don't be a loner. Don't be a loner. Just you know, uh, retreating and saying I just don't want to go to the trouble to be really mingled. Uh, with the other saints, no, you have to, and you have to take their supply, and you have to give them a supply, and this causes a building. You know, uh, I would say with with this verse here, where Peter says, "You yourselves also as living stones," it says, "are being built up as a spiritual house into a holy priesthood." Now, honestly, today's situation, could you call that? Could you call what's going on today a building up into a spiritual house? Building is relatedness. Are people really related to one another in the Spirit for the, for the cause and sake of God's purpose? I don't think so. I think they meet together. But I think nearly all of them come together with a different idea of what they want to get out of that meeting. You see, this means they don't have the building up. We're not a pile of stones. We're stones that are fittedly framed together. We're built together. And you can believe this. Wherever you are right now, uh, God in His sovereignty has you associating with certain other members of the body of Christ. And that's His doing. And He wants you to be built up with these people. 
Or maybe you're neglecting some people that you have a feeling that He wants you to be associated with. That's His sovereignty. He is, He's wanting you to have a building up experience. Not of your choosing, but of His choosing. And He's sovereign this way. And if you can be built up with the saints that He sovereignly places you with and around and gives you the chances to experience a church life with, if you can take that based on His sovereign arrangement, then the building experience that you gain transfers itself into any other situation in any other place with any other saints in any other church because it's not your doing. It's not based on friendship. It's not based on uh, likability. It's not based on personality. It's not based on uh, you name it. It's based on God's arrangement. Therefore, when God's arrangement is there, you get the spiritual essence. When that arrangement changes by His sovereignty, you, the, the outwardness of circumstances change, but what you gain inwardly remains, and that becomes the essence that you go on to be built up with others. You take the essence with you and, and apply it to other members of the body. You have building taking place. Do you understand? Uh, I'm built up with brothers uh, that... Oh, I only see a few times a year. But in the past, we saw each other virtually daily and had to, we had to just have so much fellowship and prayer and coordination that uh, regardless how would we ever live to be, <laughs> uh, the, the building was just there. It just will always be there, you see. And whatever I got through that, is the stuff I can uh, say is reality and I can experience that with any saint. You see? If it was based on something else, anything human, then uh, it's not going to work. There are no best friends. There are no close friends. There are no uh, similarities. We're a lot alike and so forth. None of that. No. This this is a that's like a country club or a, or a, you know things a society of some sort where you gather around common things whether it's money wealth personalities interest uh, maybe you're part of you know an ecological movement or uh, equestrian uh, uh, activities or a bowling club or uh, you name it. Why, why do they have fraternities and sororities? It's just a collection of people that have things in common. That's not the church. God didn't choose those people and set them in the body, right? Do you know we had a brother in the church life? He was so good. He got saved. He was in a fraternity. And this fraternity had a lot of music majors in it. And the Lord saved his brother. It really saved him. And uh, he had he was he had nothing. I mean, he, he he wasn't even trying to fake it. He just was a raw unbeliever. And he got saved in uh, some time. And the Lord started dealing with him. And time went on. And finally, uh, and I didn't know this till after it happened. But he went back to a meeting of his fraternity, asked if he could speak in the meeting. Got up and told them that he had been saved by Christ. 
that he was now a member of the body of Christ and that he had a new family of brothers and sisters that also had the life of God and that he could no longer belong to that fraternity because, and he said this, I can almost quote it, he says, because you are really not my brothers and sisters. Any, I mean, you're really not my brothers anymore. So I have to leave this fraternity. I mean, yeah, and he walked out. Pretty strong, wasn't it? I don't know I did. Okay, anyway, we have to be built up uh, with others. Uh, number 12, be given to a meeting life. Amen. Uh, Good. You know, these the next uh, points will go uh, a lot faster. They're easier points. Be given to a meeting life. The body life does not occur unless you have a meeting life. Right. Point one is that the meeting life is the practicality of the body life. If you're going to experience the church life, you have to meet. Meet, meet, meet. Small meetings, fellowship meetings, prayer time, morning watch time, big meetings, meetings with the Word, meetings, all kind of meetings. Just meet. If you don't meet, you don't have the body. You can't just say... I mean, there is grounds to meet in spirit and not in the body. I would say, you know, Paul says, I was with you in spirit in the meeting. My spirit was there when you gathered. But do you honestly think that that's supposed to happen very often. <laughs> you know why? You know why his spirit was there. He was so one, so you could even say built up with those brothers that his spirit honestly could be there in the meeting. It was not a strange meeting to his spirit. Get to meet. That's right. There's no way. <laughs> the Christian life is a meeting life because it's a body life. You have to meet. Well, uh, I would say that as far as the meeting life is concerned, that I want to emphasize that the essence of this, the essence of the body life is meeting. But don't you realize that to meet together is not a convenient thing? My point is, there's never, hardly ever, a good time to meet. There really is not. All the meeting times are really not good times. They're inconvenient to what? To our plans. Aren't they? It's just not convenient. But if you see the vision, you'll realize there's no other way. But it's not convenient. Sorry. It's just not. There is no... There's very, very, very seldom... Do you just say, well, I just have nothing in my life but meetings? You wait. You have all kind of things. The older you get, the more things come in. See, to do what? Keep you from meeting. It's just never convenient. Never. Never. You have to fight the battle to drag your body to the meeting. If you get your body there, that means your soul is there. If you get your soul there, it means your spirit is there. Just drag yourself to the meeting That's right. and you'll you'll go on with the Lord. Amen. Stay home and just cave in to the pressures of not meeting and you'll struggle. That's right. You will you will struggle. That's right. Then I would say 
meeting-wise, uh, what transpires in a meeting is, is not easy to describe. All I, can, all I know is if you don't do it, you'll find that certain things are suddenly lifted out of your Christian experience. <laughs> things like uh, encouragement. Things like uh, strength and power. Things like light. Things like, uh, uh, you know, the uh, strengthening and the encouraging to pay the price to be the Lord's testimony. These things just gradually fade unless you're in a meeting. A meeting meeting puts seeds of life, seeds of truth in you. It waters the ones that are already there. It it, uh, recalibrates your vision. It brings you more into focus. Uh, It just uh, brings into remembrance all the things that are so crucial and valuable. And you get reprioritized when you go to a meeting. Things get set back in the proper order and proper perspective. Why? Because you met with the saints in the light. And there you saw something. You saw, I've been off. I've been uh, not so, not so uh, much in order. My priorities got a little confused. See? So meeting is where this really, really transpires. It encourages you. You want to have a good personal life? Have a good meeting life. That meeting life will strengthen your personal life. And then when your personal life is strengthened, that strengthens the meeting life. They are a cycle of encouragement. Your personal life and the meeting life are supposed to mutually encourage one another. That's why it's important to be given to a meeting life. Okay. Then uh, number 13, which is a halfway point. Love, respect, love the saints of all ages, all stages. Okay, we're into respect. I think we can stop right here. This is a good stopping place. Okay, we'll cover the next ones in the next session. Okay, and then we'll have time to testify. These others will go faster, much faster.